Log Talk Radio.
Happy Our Story Month. Black History Month, African Heritage Month. So glad that Hunter Tillman to join. We won more again, but we online celebration of this year. Right here upon Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. Hunter Tillman, no this year the We Show, and this year the Queen Quet Head from the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad that Hunter to tune in to We Station, and we want to say thank you, thank you one more again to the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. Who is sponsored this year program every weekend? Think like that. It if Hunter want no more, but we. Gwanyonda.net, and all the rest of Hunter Chilling can follow me at Gullagichi on Instagram and Twitter and everything like that. There, so we want Hunter Chilling, but also Gwanyonda to GullagichiNation.com. Follow me there, and you can follow me on Facebook for Gullagichi Rhythm Radio for keep up with what going on on we show. You know, every Monday we give up lifting to the living legacy and pay ancestral homage. So this year evening, we want to dedicate this year program to some people all who were passed yesterday and day before. Mary Maggie Holmes from Centelna Island, Ashe. Samuel Mutri Jr. from Palawana Island, Ashe. And even to the great Algebra jazz musician. So... Let me take some time and yet give us some more greets and we story. Right here in Beaufort County, in South Kakalaki, where 
I decline from Honolulu. This your day. Let's show the Queen Quet head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. I'm so glad if it be right, you again upon Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. Thank you, thank you, Brother Dre and other rest of the people who are to join me in the live chat this evening. And all the hundred children with my dear upon Facebook and other rest of the players, the Yeti, we and things like that. You can always come on over to blogtalkradio.com, make one free account, right, Jonah, and things like that. And then you can log right into the chat room and be able to type to me and things like that so that we can crack we teeth with one another about this year. Because you know you want to have one celebration, and nice to have the people right there in the house with you. You ain't want them to be cross town, and you did it because they like you to party by yourself. So, you know, we in the wait for February for celebrate who we be. We know who we be all the time, yeah, and this your land. Okay, from Jacksonville, North Kakalaki, all the way down, Jacksonville, Florida. So we're so glad that Hunter Chillin taught him not robbery. Move to tune in, but if you want to crack your teeth, we come on over to blogtalkradio.com and then join me over here, blogtalkradio.com slash Gullah Geechee. And Gullah is G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E, in and no I, if it a we, in and no I, in Geechee. So for all the hundred children with the across the well and thing like that, and you can't stand when they yeti people are cracking teeth like this because you can't stand tall talk, I'm going to switch over this way because a lot of what I want to share with you tonight is not written in Gullah in the first place. It is written in English. And you know that I am a big promoter of literacy. And one of the things that I found very frustrating and often have found frustrating is that there's an adage that says if you want to hide it from black people, put it in a book, and that we have not dispelled that as a myth, that there are many people that it's not even about a book anymore. You can hand them a one-page flyer, and they will stand there and ask you, what is this, instead of reading it. And so as a result, if we're not going to read, then there's no way we're going to study. If we are not going to study, I know church folk, y'all, saying we can't show ourselves approved, right? But we also won't be able to prove violations against us. Nor can you stake a claim to anything, and it hold up in any court of law. So it is about literacy, and it's also about understanding, because you may be able to read and then not comprehend what it is you're reading. Maybe it's terminology you're not familiar with. Maybe it's something that is in a specified language for a particular field. And so where you have command of general, as they say, vernacular English, you may not understand it when it's in the context of a particular field of study or a particular field of work. Well, I choose that word field intentionally because when we're going to talk about land ownership as a legacy among black folk, among people of African descent around the world, then we're talking about literally going on into the field and things like that. If we get on a hand, daddy. So if you never plant anything, you're guaranteed you will not get a harvest. It's rare that you have what we call a volunteer crop. Things are just going to grow on their own and then be of some value to you and be in such abundance that you can sustain yourself, much less sustain the entire nation of people. Well, in the motherland, 
and Alkebulon, ancestors, were agrarian peoples. I have no clue why people of African descent have this aversion to growing their own food because there's something stuck in their psyche about somehow growing your food only meaning that you're enslaved. As long as there's nobody standing over your back with a whip, you going out in a little garden is not equivalent to enslavement, and especially not to chattel enslavement, where you can go ahead and take breaks, you can go inside, sit in air conditioning, and then decide to come out there later. You got mosquito repellent, all these different bug suits and all kinds of things. Please stop disrespecting what our ancestors actually went through. And when you equate something in your mind from someone saying, come work in the community garden or come help them even in the literal field in the Sea Islands here, and all of a sudden, you know, that's beneath you like the dirt is. And somehow it's something that, oh, I'm not going to do that. You're trying to put me back in a field like a slave. That's ignorance. Because the people who are self-sufficient, and I have gone to numerous mansions of people who you would consider the multimillionaires and billionaires of the world that were the people who were around doing what's called the Gilded Age in the U.S. These individuals left so much wealth behind that their family members could now have foundations to continue to give away money. But also, when you go to their properties, they are part of historic resources, they preserve the buildings for tours, but all the acreages of land are not just grass. They actually have farms there, and they do farm-to-table serving of food, things that like a doggone tomato sandwich that I could walk out my door in the next couple of months and go ahead and bring a tomato in any time I please. This time of year, we have cherry tomatoes on the porch growing. I can just go get that. Well, if you were at one of those places, and I had a salad, let's say, with even cherry tomatoes on it, that might be $10 because it's somehow considered gourmet when somebody else does it. But when we as people of African descent look at that, we'll go and sit in a place like that and pay that and smile doing it. You'll take a selfie with you with this foolishness. But then if someone told you, but you know what, you could plant a whole field with $10 worth of tomato seeds. I mean even if you had an acre worth of land sitting there with nothing on it except your house. And your house, I wouldn't think, is going to take up the whole acre. Or we need to visit your mansion as well. So here it is that somehow the psychological harm that's been done to us amounts to that of people who, of course, have suffered trauma. And in this case, is post-traumatic slave syndrome that not only causes us to react negatively against one another as people of African descent, but also causes us to react negatively against the very things that actually are the wealth of the community. Someone's intellect, someone's ability to own land, not talking about renting a mortgage in a house, I'm talking about owning land and then working that land using that intellect to work that land and then economically empower yourself and your generations to come. 
So because of this aversion, many people have literally given away their inheritance. And I know y'all say, well, why is Black History Month? Oh, we should just celebrate all the inventors and all the people who just did all these great things. Well, we disgrace all of them if we do not recognize that we are not continuing in the same path as being creators when we have now turned around and we glorify consumerism. But we denigrate those who live from the land, saying, oh, the country, they must be ignorant what you what you dig in the field for when you can go to the store. Herein lies a major problem. Now, so as I was reading, again, big purveyor of literacy, as I was reading the current book, well, one of the current books, because I'm usually reading two or three books at one time, and then trying to write another, or writing another usually. The book I'm reading now, The Half Has Never Been Told, is about slavery and the making of American capitalism. And I think this is a critical time at which we examine black economics and we look at where the real wealth lies. It's in that dirt. It's in that soil. It's in your soul. If you can find it still. If you haven't sold it away and given it away. So I found a critical piece in this book where they started to talk about an African man who had been taken aboard a ship from Charleston, South Kakalaki, here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, called the Adventine. When that ship docked, they walked this man up East Bay Street, and anybody who's been to Chucktown, you know where that is. Any of you who come to the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival, you know where it is, too, because you have to cross it to get to the celebration. So here it is that they walked him up the street. And I'm going to pick up from where they start to get past some of the most disgusting parts of the story because they described in detail the conditions in the belly of the beast inside the enslavement hole. So I want to get to this part where he says perhaps he was lucky. At last the ship dropped anchor in Charleston Harbor. Then they sold him to a New Orleans merchant's local agent who locked him into the iron collar that bore the merchant's name. Another white man walked him up East Bay Street toward the Aventine stock. Signs creaked in the wind that brought the stench of his old ship from Gadsden's Wharf. The buzzers lighting and flapping on the other side of the Cooper River knew where the harbor currents piled bodies against the sandbar. That year alone, 700 Africans died on the 25 different ships that spent time waiting there in quarantine. And at that point right there, I want to take a moment of silence for all 700 of those Africans and even the ones who they didn't manage to include in the count. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Now I'm going to go on from there where we get into what his life would be like. He says, yet, this new arrival's experience would be different. Slavery itself was changing from the first story. 
the Sugar Island model that had helped shape everything in the New World to this point. This man would carry his collar not to an island, but to an isolated belt of settlements clinging to the coast. He was headed into a vast continent behind the mist on the mudflats. Enslavement would find no geographical limit, only political ones. And enslavers had structured politics to their advantage. Citizens, not colonials, would own him. Owners' property interests. Owners who got to vote and run for office and govern would drive decisions about him, not the plans of distant imperial bureaucrats. And because the man in the iron collar and all who followed him into the depths of the continent would make not a luxury product, but the most basic commodity in a new kind of endlessly expanding economy, there would also be no limit to the market for the product of his labor. This meant that there was no numerical limit to the number of enslavers or to the number of investors who would want to chase enslavement's rewards. Only conscience or the inability of the world's investment markets to deploy enough savings could impede the transfer of capital to slavery's new frontiers. Now, there's some things there that I'm sure the thinking person will say, well, wait a minute, wow. Sounds like we're talking about the current state of affairs in the United States as opposed to during the time of the transatlantic slave trade. Well, that's why people say those who do not know history are destined to repeat it. It's a cycle thing. It's a cyclical thing. It goes around and comes around again and Either you've learned the first time so that you can prevent it from continuing to be so insidious or you lose out because you didn't study. Because maybe it was on that flyer in that book. And here it is that you don't realize Gadsden's Wharf. Gadsden's Wharf is the land that we have fought for, that we have raised some 30 plus million dollars to put the International African American Museum on where? In Chucktown, Charleston, South Carolina, in the Gullah Geechee Nation, to stand as a monumental testimony to the triumph of Africans who, like this man, who they collared there and had him and others in these quarantine-type buildings there at one point, that how they got out still with their strength to the ability that although he got shipped down river to New Orleans, the others who were marched out, sold, and sent away did get to those islands that hugged the coastline. What are those islands that hugged the coastline? The sea islands of the Gullah Geechee Nation. Well, we'd have still been here and we'd have grinded away to all. So it speaks to the fortitude of the African people who came through the Middle Passage in the Belly of the Beast, who were there across that Kufa River where those buzzards were lighting and eating the dead bodies over there near Sullivan's Island where I was installed, where we came together as a nation in order to hold Punisha land and things like that, to honor our ancestral legacy by continuing to hold on to land that is often referred to in court as heirs' property. 
the land that our ancestors worked without, 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 because y'all don't like to hear that word in front of the next one, pay, without actually getting any remuneration with any finances, all right, any ducats at one time, we used to call it, and a shiny thing like that. They were not paid, but others were paid from their knowledge, their wealth, their depth of knowledge. And so herein has lied a problem, the exploitation of our intellect and our physical bodies for others to benefit while we sit on the sidelines and take them breaks and talk about what we're not going to do. And when you don't, a person that don't uh, work, they say, don't eat either. And if you don't eat, you're weak. And if you're weakened, it makes it that much easier for people to tell you something and you just believe it. The propaganda machine of saying, well, let me give you five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 for your acre of land on the sea islands because, you know, you ain't going to be able to do nothing with this property because, you know, this property ain't really that good, but I'll pay you for it so that that way, you know, you won't be burdened with it. Anybody whose mind is strong knows right there that that's a scheme afoot. But if you've been weakened, if you're in an altered state of mind from any form of inebriation and intoxication from any element, then you're in a weakened state. And people can easily come in and take from you. And sometimes many get intoxicated by the smell of money. And they don't have to be but $2. And they're high. And meanwhile, when people realize that's your weakness, that's where they hit you. And that may be what they hit you with, like the kryptonite for Superman, and bring you down. So here it is that all that you might have needed that would have given you the antidote to the kryptonite was in the book or in the flyer. But instead of reading it, studying it, asking some others to get with you, let's study together. Let's dialogue, let's build. Instead, you know, I don't want to do all that. Mm-mm. So now, people march in. Your ancestors have been governing on their own since the time of January 15, 1865, when William Tecumseh Sherman, who was then a Union Army general during the U.S. Civil War, came along and issued Special Field Order Number 15. And in it said that the islands from Charleston south, the abandoned rice fields along the rivers for 30 miles back from the sea, and the country bordering the St. John's River, Florida, are reserved and set apart for the settlement of the Negroes. And furthermore, that at Buford, Hilton Head, Savannah, Ferndina, St. Augustine, and Jacksonville, the blacks may remain in their chosen or custom vocations. Vocation is work. But on the islands and in the settlements hereafter to be established, no white person whatever, unless military officers and soldiers detailed for duty, will be permitted to reside. And the sole and exclusive, the sole and exclusive management of affairs will be left to the freed people themselves, subject only to the United States military authority. And what? The acts of Congress. Wow talking about the past or the present. 
Many people have thought that the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Act, which was an act of the U.S. Congress that took nine years of my life to get done, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition were the major force behind, along with Congressman James Clyburn, who walked that bill through that house and got it through there, ran this ball to the end zone, all right? People just think a lot of times, and I've heard people who just swore to God that they knew what was going on down here because they think they might maybe have family here, go around saying that the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Act was an executive order. It was not. It was an act of Congress. I leave you homework for Black History Month. Go Google it. Look up the bill itself. Read it in its entirety. But now, I want to read to you from my book, The Legacy of Evo Landing, Color Roots of African American Culture, where I leave off from that wording of the Acts of Congress to say this. One might have thought that the exclusive management of the affairs on the islands might have been too much to a group, given to a group of people who had just regained their freedom and who had been accustomed to following the orders of others. However, in most of the Sea Islands, Gullahs and Geechis had already implemented their own rules for regulation of their communities. While Euro-Americans had attempted to dwell on most islands, they were prevented from doing so due to a number of environmental conditions, including the temperature and the mosquitoes that carried malaria. Gullahs and Geechis appeared to be immune to these diseases for the most part. So we have a situation where many people don't realize and recognize that that we had autonomy largely on the sea islands of the Gullah Geechee Nation from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, even during the time of the transatlantic slave trade. But if there's any great time that we need to be acknowledging these facts of how our ancestors still kept in place, basically the village aspect of their Africanness, even during chattel enslavement, I would think that the international decade of people of African descent would be the time that we should do that. Oh, did it just surprise you? Yeah, we're in the midst of that now. Let's do some more homework on that as well. Okay? So now, the next part that I want to go into, the Legacy of Evo Landing was the first anthology that I ever wrote and put together, I should say, edited and, and, and put together, because there are a number of native Gullah Geechee writers, and it's the first anthology to ever be published where the writers in it are Gullah Geechee and not academics that were writing about us. We put some other documents in there because someone else had attempted to do some linguistic alphabet writing about one of our stories, and we utilized that from someone non-Gullah Geechee. But the rest of the writings are from Gullah Geechee's. Well, that book has been out for over 20 years now. So now they will continue to ask about more. And so it's a series of books that I have, but it was time to release another anthology. So I want to read to you from what I consider the bookend anthology to the one I just read from, and it's called We Be Gullah Geechee, Cultural Capital and Collaboration Anthology. Cooperative work has been a part of Gullah Geechee culture since its inception and reminds us yet again of the African cultural retention. 
During the 1930s, William R. Bascom investigated the origin of cooperative Sea Island work patterns by conducting field work in both the Sea Islands and West Africa. Bascom found similarities between the Yoruba institution of cooperative work and that of Sea Island communities. And that was back in 19. He was moving on to 1941 when he published the work he had done. On Sopolo Island in Georgia and Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, Bascom interviewed informants who recalled group work. The practice of working to a drumbeat in Africa was replaced with singing songs in unison in the Sea Islands. Bascom points out that the practice of working together in Hilton Head was only preserved in memory. But informants suggested Sopolo Island was still a place where people would jump right into the field and help you out. The proposed connections between Sea Island cooperative work and similar practices in West Africa is further corroborated by Dr. Alpha Bob, Professor of African-American History at the College of Charleston. The idea of cooperation to accomplish a piece of work, such as sowing seeds or harvesting, remains a common practice among most West Africans. And this was from a personal communication from him. He said he also said, it is also common knowledge to any scholar who had conducted research within the Sea Island communities. One of the most important relationships within a Gullah worldview is that which exists between human beings and the natural environment. Sea Islanders view their natural surroundings with respect and a sense of interconnectedness. Now, let me explain this. That interconnectedness devolves when people begin to think in a Western cosmology and they think from the ideologies and ideas and constructs and mores of the Western world, the Europeanized world that many people of African descent in the Sea Islands found themselves as bridges came. So when you hear this part where they say he interviewed people on Hilton Head Island, some of you might have been shocked because you didn't even know Gullah Geechee's lived on Hilton Head. You know Hilton Head to be a gated, gated area after the other, one golf course after the other, one resort after the other. And you don't see it as a place that could even fit the scope of anybody farming anything and talking about needing to get out there and do work. But, but within the last 40 years, Hilton Head succumbed to the destruction that you see there today. It was not how it looks now. If you visit St. Helena Island, you don't have to go to Sopla. You don't have to go all the way to Georgia and take a boat and all that. If you drive in the same county and come to St. Helena Island, where we can actually look from St. Helena over to Hilton Head, you'll see the juxtaposition instantaneously in terms of what happened with Hilton Head and all the commercialization that took place there versus what happened here. But look what happened. They decimated their communalism. So now when someone comes and asks them about it, it's only a recollection. It's in their minds. It's not a practice that was going on. Now, this is all the way back in the 1940s. And so when they started up a celebration for this month to try to revive or make people aware that they even had Gullah culture on that island, they still started to take the route of letting others give them input on what should and should not be done, and that's still going on. They're not directly 
speaking about Gullah Geechee and ensuring that you present all Gullah Geechee. You have things that are called African-American. Then you got something called Gullah Geechee. Then you have something else random. Well, what is it that you stand for? And what are you standing on when you do stand? If you are not standing on a cultural legacy of your land ownership in these sea islands, you truly don't have much to stand on. You're just like being on quicksand. And the unfortunate reality is that there are so many people who do not even have in their collective consciousness, much less their actual memory from their own lives, seeing the communal work on some of these sea islands that got commercialized, that they have no idea that that was real. They think, you in fact, which is why the inaugural Black Folks Land Legacy Conference, March 10th through 12th, will be held on historic St. Helena Island, South Carolina, because we still own 95% of St. Helena Island. So you would have an opportunity to see literally on the ground what that communalism looks like. What is this thing that you call a family compound? How is it that we are still farming, planting, harvesting the things that our ancestors did. But how do we take those things today and not just pass them down for the entertainment of tourists or to the children when a little school group comes out, but literally pass this knowledge into the next generation so that they are the walking encyclopedias of how to live in a self-sufficient manner how to heal yourself from herbs that grow naturally here on the ground. How do you then heal yourself with the foods that you plant and then you harvest, if God bless you, to have a harvest? And who is to do this work with you? The family. So we go back to the man in the collar. There was nothing in that story that said that he was chained to anybody else. They put the collar around his neck, and many of you can just go online and Google enslavement collars or slave collars if you've never seen one. And then you start to get an idea in your head about how they had some of them designed to have long pieces of metal jutting out. Like imagine if somebody took a tire off a bicycle and made the center of it, the hub of it, wide enough to put it, put your head through but then they could tighten that hub around your neck and lock it. Now you have these spokes sticking out in every direction. You might you might say, what kind of that make no sense? It doesn't. From a human standpoint, it doesn't make any sense for anybody to be that sick and distorted to invent something like that. But people did it. And why did they do it? Because they put those on the strongest of the people who were yet using their minds and who were the strategists who were figuring out the cultural landscape they were now in. And they said, well, this ain't my home, but I'm going to get away. And when you ran, and if you ran again, or if when they tried to season you at Sullivan's Island, and before they got you over to Gadsden's Wharf, and you still had the strength and the power in your eyes and the fire to stand up, that was not a good thing for someone who wanted to put you into bondage. That was not a good thing for anyone who thought that you were not a human being, but a piece of property, a piece of chattel to be bought and sold and exchanged. 
that was not a good thing. They wanted to take that fire and extinguish it at least enough to get you sold. In some cases, sold downriver. And many times the runners were the ones that got the collar before they got sold downriver into a different set of sugarcane fields along the bayous or into the short grain cotton away from the sea island cotton, into gang plantations away from the types of task system that we had here that afforded us the opportunity, which again was our system of design, to work in the field for a certain amount of hours a day, complete a particular task for the day, just get that one job done today, and then you have your own tasks to do. And that could include gwine out your own in the creek and things like that. I forget some seafood and things for hunter chilling yam pun the seeding for gwine with that Carolina gold rice, you understand? That we done yam pun. So this way our people continued to be able to hold together with one another even after coming out the field. We could sit on the porch together. We could sit underneath the oak tree together. We could go out in the back. did all this during the time of cattle enslavement. But your work had to be done. The one who don't work don't eat. And you might die from the weakness. So we now feed you in another way, intellectually. If someone's not feeding you, then you need to leave from that table with that individual. But we also have to get back to a point where we feed each other literally and figuratively, nourishing mind, body, and soul, and being able to harvest from the land. But you cannot harvest from the land before you know what to plant. You can't just be planting random stuff in all types of soil and at all types of year and expect a harvest. So you need the knowledge from the living encyclopedias of elders in the community, always collectively respected the elders. My assistant today said that to me, that she said she can remember the very first time she ever was in the same place with me and how an Anglo person tried to disrespect one of the members of the council of elders by instead of saying elder and then the person's name, they just thought they could jump over the person's title and just call them their first name. And I immediately stopped that and let them know that in our community, you have respect. And when someone has a title, especially they are an elder, you call them by that title. You put a handle on their name. Raise up and keep it held up, too. You don't have the right nor the authority to diminish the importance of this individual. And so when she said that today, it struck me because I have done that so many times that I don't even know what situation she was talking about because there is still this level of domination that people want to have over people of African descent. And it would be allowed, and they will put a collar on your neck and a chain on your brain if you are not aware that it's happening to you. And many times the psychological chaining people are unaware of until it's already locked on and locked in to the psyche so deep that when someone says, let's go on our in, it's your feet. Who? Oh, not me. I'm not going to work up there. I ain't doing that. 
you're trying to put me in bondage. And while you don't work out there, there's all these people with this thing they're calling the Back to the Land movement that are giving each other millions of dollars in the environmental community to farm their own food. Millions of dollars are made every year at these historic sites and mansions that are non-black places, non-Gullah Geechee places, because they're farming their land, they're raising cattle, they literally have cows milking them, and they have goats milking them, they have sheep that they share off, and they sell you the products that are all harvested right there on the land. And if they got a river, if they catch some fish, you can best believe part of what you may eat in their restaurant is going to be some fish caught right out of there as well. So here we are on the ocean with rivers, creeks, estuaries that Gullah Geechee seek to hold on to and thrive from. So I want to thank everybody that helped us get the victory over stopping oil drilling on our coast and off our coast, that helped us stop seismic gun blasting along our coastline and along the entire Atlantic. We had a celebration at Bowens Island yesterday. When I finished celebrating with a cadre of environmental groups and the entire thing was put on by partners of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition and the South Carolina Environmental Law Project, when we left there, we went right on back over where Gullah Geechee is still a orny land and hey, business and things like that at Mosquito Beach. And many of you have heard me talk about Mosquito Beach on this show. You're going to hear me continue to talk about it. If you watch Gullah Geechee TV, then you can see Mosquito Beach historical legacy that we still have ownership of there, right in Charleston County, South Kakalaki. Just go to www.gullahgeechee.tv, and when you get there, type in a search for Mesquita Beach, Queen Quet Mesquita Beach, or Gullah Geechee Mesquita Beach, and you'll see videos of us there. We are still fighting to hold on to maintain the ownership of Mosquito Beach in its entirety and to then economically re-empower the people of not only Mosquito Beach but Solid Greek community that you drive through to get onto Mosquito Beach. We have the Solid Greek Seashore Farmers Lodge that's a museum and cultural center that you bypass before you even get to Mosquito Beach. You pass Backman Seafood that now wants to be an active part of this process because the storm that came just about destroyed their business, but they're yet holding on. And so because people who support this broadcast, who support the Gullah Geechee Nation, who are members of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, have worked together, that are still part of that collaboration, that collective consciousness, that energy of unification, and they do the field work, we have been able to prove to others in that historic preservation community why they should put the financial resources, the intellectual resources, their technical resources into and invest it fully and wholeheartedly and why we all need to ensure that that place returns to its greatness with 1,000 to 2,000 people coming there every weekend. The bookend to it is in Florida, American Beach. American Beach still has some African Americans that own property there, but you don't see 
mass gatherings of us at American Beach as we once did. But thank God for our sacred ancestor, Marvin Betts, the beach lady, because had it not been for her, she would that place would not be there now because the destruction meant was on its way, the bulldozers were on its way, brought in by the same people from Sea Pines Corporation of Hilton Head that started the whole plethora of gated areas there. They wanted to do the same at American Beach. And when y'all read about Myrtle Beach or you now see this documentary that's going to come out called White Beach, Black Beach, or Black Beach, White Beach, uh, it's going to tell the truth of why they keep saying that the Atlantic Beach Black Biker Fest needs to be shut down, but the Myrtle Beach Biker Fest shouldn't be shut down, where the Myrtle Beach Biker Fest attracts much more decadence than the Atlantic Beach one because they don't even have the numbers. Atlantic Beach don't draw the kind of numbers that the other bike. This discrimination, this racism, this all-out plan of removal is something that many people, many of my listeners, many of the supporters of us on social media, you got outraged because the BBC did a piece about the current destruction in a place called Plannersville, which is right up there where Myrtle Beach and those are. Plannersville would be the spillover town from Myrtle Beach. But the people in the town don't realize what their culture is, so instead of fighting as Gullah Geechee's and having the human rights protected, they wouldn't even come to a meeting over a decade ago when we tried to help them then. So what you're seeing in the media now is just people's 10 and 20 and 50-year plans to remove people from their land. But when you don't know your rights, it's easy for someone to do. And much less if you don't know when I say Gullah Geechee that I'm referring to you. So herein lies a major problem. And everybody got outraged and all of this, but yet we put up the GoFundMe site that people told us, please put one up. We have the GoFundMe site which says Gullah Geechee Land Legacy Fund. No other GoFundMe site, just the Gullah Geechee Land Legacy Fund. If you see me there on the video, that's the one. We've had a lot of people donate, and we're thankful to you, and we thank everybody who made a donation, whether it was $5 or $500. But if all the people who allowed the video from Vice and the video from Atlanta Black Star to go viral and had shared it on their pages would have made $1 donation, we would have probably had a million dollars in our land legacy fund, to be honest with you. We would have had at least that. So please, I'm encouraging you. If you truly believe in Gullah Geechee land and legacy and you want us to continue to hold on to just who we'd be, Phoenicia Lanya, NEC, make sure to go to GoFundMe.com slash Gullah Geechee land legacy fund. Just type it in Google. It'll come up. Go to Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page. We post it and repost it every week. Land taxes are due in two days and Beaufort County, South Kakalaki, and many other parts. And the only reason they're doing February this year is because of Hurricane Matthews damage. And the county felt they'd give us an extension of one month because they're normally doing January. But we are yet holding on. But all that I have to share on how to hold on to the land, how to return to the land, farm the land, work the land, and be able to economically empower yourself as well as heal yourself, we're going to discuss in person, March 10th through the 12th of this year, 
you can go to Eventbrite Land Legacy Conference. It will be here on historic St. Helena Island. If you can't catch that, email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. Tweet us at Gullah Geechee, G-U-L-L-A-H, G-E-E-C-H-E-E, and we'll send you the link on over there. Please share it. Even if you can't make it, tell some other black folks they need to be there if they're interested in ever owning land or maintaining the ownership of their land and how we need to take a stand and we need to do it together collectively. Don't let folks put a collar on you and then you can't run and you can't stand either. In these last few minutes, I'm going to open up the phone lines. I might have time for one brief caller. If you have a comment, make it succinct. The telephone number is 347-324-3903-347-324-3903. I want to say thank you, thank you. I see I'm getting messages from Facebook. I'll answer those later. I also see Brother Dre said that he saw the story concerning our people and wanted to hook up with the water line and risk of losing their land, and he wants to know, is it a true report? It's a true report, but it's not the whole story. It is true that certain people are losing their land because of the fact that they did not pay this particular extra, what we often refer to as an impact fee, that the county levied on them on top of their land taxes. They did not pay it. They didn't lose their land over the water. They lost their land for not paying their taxes on time. That's technically what the deal really is on that story. And then there are a lot of other complicated nuances that we don't have time to talk about it here. That's why we're doing a whole conference so that people understand these dynamics, is that just like with Hilton Head, people are often forced to hook up to what we call city water, which means that you would no longer have your own personal dedicated pump to your house. You would now pay bill to the local water and sewer company and then you will have these pipes that are run and they connect up, and so you have a monthly bill. Well, many of the people in the Gullah Geechee Nation always had their own private pumps, and people caught rainwater and like. Well, once they started bringing in the destruction of gated areas, retirement villages, and all of that, they started running in all this new infrastructure along with new roads. And we've had situations before, like Hilton Head is another example, a prime one that matches or parallels what's going on in Plantersville, where people could not afford to then tap into those sewer lines. But the county made it mandatory that they had to get off of the old water systems because they gave them some stories about old potential contamination or, you know, things that could be faulty if their septic tank failed. So these things could be true or not true. No real environmental scientists came around at those times. People just took what they were told, never got anyone to test it themselves, and then couldn't fight back, they felt, because, oh, the government is bigger than us. And so a lot of people just went along and either paid and tapped in, or they ended up with fees levied against them too, and then their land got liens on them. And eventually with that lien, if the county has it on there or the town, they'll put your land up for auction. But if you ain't paying your land tax on time, that's on you. That's a whole nother topic. So the story is true, but there's a lot left out, and there's a lot of different nuances that you're not going to get in that kind of one-pager in the newspaper. They just wanted to sell newspapers, and BBC just wanted to get readership, and, they, and they've gotten a lot of it. 
and viewership. And so we thank Atlanta Black Star for the follow-up story. And Sister Fee Scott was the one that talked to them about doing a detailed story to provide the background as well as to say where can they support for real. So please go to the Gullah Geechee Land Legacy Fund fundraiser on GoFundMe and then Hunter Chillin. Please grind on ya and help we so that we can stay for this your land ya what belongs to we, the Gullah Geechee. So I want to say thank you, thank you, Brother Dre, for your question and for hanging here in the chat room tonight to everybody else who's listening around the world, whether you listen live or whether you have downloaded this from our archive or you get it on iTunes for free, we are glad that on the chilling one Yeti, who we to be, right here in this your land of the Gullah Geechee. And so to Hunter Chillin, I say thank you, thank you. We're so glad that Hunter did with we. So make sure you sign up for the Black Folks Land Legacy Conference and join we next week because we going to do this thing all one more again. And Hunter Chillin, thank you, thank you for being out there. And for all who done gee, I know you're my friend. Peace and blessings. This is Queen Quet, Chiefess and Head of State for the Gullah Geechee Nation, your hostess for Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. Keep on celebrating who we be. It don't just take a month to cover black history. That's the living legacy. Peace and blessings, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.